Amen. Well, man, I am really grateful to be here again with you this morning and uh, looking forward to what God has in store from the scriptures today. We have been talking, as you know, uh, on this series that we've called Anchors. The first week we said, if you want stability in turbulent times, you have to anchor yourself in Christ. Uh, He is the one in whom we have hope. Uh, Last week, we talked about the Word of God. You anchor yourself in the Scriptures, and it's why uh, we have such a thing about the Scriptures around here, right? Many of our sermon series, uh, like the one coming up beginning next week, we're going to continue in a series we've been doing every year in the springtime for a couple of years in the book of Exodus. And uh, we're just going to work our way through for a little while and see what God has for us as he progressively reveals himself to us in the Scriptures. We've been Man, I'll bet it's been five or six years we started in Genesis and we're working our way through. I don't know that we'll go through that way, you know, through the rest of the Bible, Uh, though, you know, till Jesus comes back, we got to preach something, right? So we might as well just keep preaching through the Bible. Imagine that. But we do, right? At Coastal, we make a thing out of we want to teach from the Word of God. So you anchor yourself in the Word of God. And today, I want to suggest to you that a third anchor that will help is being anchored in the church, not not in Hampton or in Coastal, not because we're something special, but because the church is the bride of Christ. And God has some really significant uh, things that he thinks about the church. And so I think it's good that we be anchored in the church. So I want to give you one thing, though, before I get underway, one more thing I want to announce. Uh, the, the vote is one thing. Please, again, get on there, renew your membership, and then vote uh, for our shepherding elders do that this afternoon. I would say do it right now, but then you're going to miss some of the sermon. So uh, I know a few of you have already done it. Some of you, you got an email. If you're a member, you got an email. So all you got to do where it says click here, click there, and it'll take you right to that page. So you don't even have to navigate to it. It's very, very easy. Um, I also want to let you know of a change in our Coastal Kids program, and that is that uh, Heidi McCain has agreed to come on staff part-time and become our Coastal Kids Director at Hampton Campus. So I'm super excited about that, and I don't think she's even in here to point her out and embarrass her a little bit. But, man, I'm, I'm really happy about that. I'm looking forward to what she's going to bring. She's been, she and her hubby, of course, Mark, have been involved in Coastal forever and uh, are super engaged, and she's been in our children's ministry a long time. She knows how it all works. And uh, anyway, I've been, I've been kind of prayerful for about a year and a half that she might be the one, and now's the time. So I'm glad for that. So you pray for her as she takes over the reins. That's actually going to begin February 4th. She will uh, begin as the director. And uh, so you all need to go talk to her right away if you're not serving in Coastal Kids and sign up, and she'll be very, very excited. I have served as a pastor for a long time. I'm not even going to discuss how long, but it's been a while. And in that time, I've heard a multitude of reasons given to me by people as to why they don't want to go to church, at least not regularly. Here are a few. The church is full of hypocrites. Guilty as charged. Uh, I acknowledge that. I, I, you know, especially if that's coming from a, a kind of a critical-minded person, I usually just say, well, come on, you'll fit right in then, because you probably are too, right? I mean... We all say things that we've not fully implemented in our life yet. We're all hypocrites to some degree. That's why we're here. We're here to heal and grow and learn, right? Um, The church is always asking for money. Hey, I'm I'm just 
offering an opportunity to give. I, you know, we don't, we don't hound you, do we, about money? I mean, we, we let you know if there's a need, and that's great, but God's people are faithful to give, and we teach that, and so, great, I'm glad. Um, I don't believe in the organized church. Well, what, what kind of church do you believe in, then, would be my question. But regardless, it's boring, I'm sorry. I'm trying my best. I don't know what to say. You know, it, it, it's, it's always boring if you're not interested in what somebody's talking about, right? Here's, this is a, a Sunday school class was asked by their teacher one time, why is it important to be quiet in church? Which, can I just say, I'm okay if we're not quiet in church. You know, I like a little bit of interaction, Right. Um, let's go. Come on. When we're when we're singing, when we're worshiping the Lord, even in the preaching, you go right ahead, man. I am I'm totally down. It it might make the sermons a little longer, but that's okay. At least okay with me. But the Sunday school teacher asked her students, "Why do you think it's important to be quiet in church?" And of course, they you know they uh, so, so you can hear what the preacher is saying, or so you don't distract the people around you. And they'd all been coached well by their parents. One little girl finally spoke up and said, "Probably what." number of them were thinking it's, so you don't wake the people that are sleeping, <laughs> uh, which could be true. I believe that most of the reasons why we don't, why people don't attend church or why we are not just wholeheartedly committed to the church have a lot to do with a low view of the church. We don't understand what God thinks of the church, and so we don't bring our thinking in line with what he thinks, or I believe we would be way more interested in figuring out, man, how can we be engaged? Listen, I understand some of us have made it a career to be part of the church. And so we all totally understand you don't have 50 plus hours a week to contribute, right? I get to do that because I don't have to do something else. And I'm very grateful to God for that. I had a buddy years and years ago in the first church I served in, said to me one time, you know, I'm a little bit jealous. I work all week long, and I only have so much time left. You get to serve God all the time with all of your life. I totally get that. But I want you to remember, we understand at Coastal, and we talk about it amongst our pastors and our leadership all the time, Coastal wouldn't function without its members and its volunteers. We understand that. It is you guys that carry on the ministry of the church. And man, it's because you have a heart for what God cares about, right? So listen, I am unashamedly going to talk about the church. Before I get any further, I want to make sure if you're in here and you did not, and you're an adult and you didn't get one of these, I don't care if you get them as a kid, frankly, but... Um, I'm going to talk about this later. Don't do anything with it. Just keep track of it because I'm coming back around to it. It's going to be part of what we're talking about this morning. It says multiply on the front, a little plastic folder looking thing. Um, I want to talk about God's view of the church, and I'm actually going to start at the end of the scriptures in Revelation chapter 19. And I want to read for you what God thinks. What is his perspective on the church? Here's what it says beginning in verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. 
Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these words are the true words of God. You know, it's it's fascinating to me when we say, I don't believe in the organized church. We only organize so as to be more effective in our ministry, but God doesn't look as the organ, at the organized church as the thing. He loves the church. He sent Jesus to die for the church. And the New Testament uses this, this imagery of a bride all the time. I was just teaching this past Wednesday night in our marriage spiritual formation class some from Ephesians chapter 5, and it's interesting to me, you get to the end of all this description of wives are to do this and husbands are to do this and these are our responsibilities and our roles in marriage, and then it says, I'm speaking of Christ and the church, but nevertheless, let husbands and wives, right? It, he's giving a description of how the church is to function toward Christ and how Christ functions toward the church. He loved us and gave himself for us. The bride and bridegroom imagery is very intimate, very precious, very tender. And the marriage feast that they had as part of the celebration of marriage in the, in the days in which the New Testament was written was way bigger than just a reception after the, the marriage ceremony, right? It was huge and in, in many cases lasted for days. It was a huge celebration. That's the imagery here in Revelation 19 of what it's going to be like in heaven when we, the bride of Christ, are there. And we get to celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb. Corporate worship is intended to be a precursor to that. It's when we come together as the bride of Christ. So you know the four words that we use for Coastal. If you've been a member for a little while, you know, and one of them is kind of recent, but I think you still know them, so you're going to hear them over and over. So let's say them in order. What is the first thing we exist to accomplish? Connect, grow, serve, and multiply. When you walk out this morning, you'll see them on the wall just as you're walking out into that lobby out there. We're going to talk a lot about this. This right here is the connect piece. We connect to God in corporate worship. Corporate worship. Now listen, I totally get it. If you are uh, out walking around and you're on a mountain somewhere and you're looking over the vistas that are in front of you, there's probably some worship happening in your heart, or I certainly hope so. If you're uh, in a situation and you've been, man, reading in your devotions and God is really doing something in your heart as you read and as you pray, there's probably some worship going on. But it isn't corporate worship. And the Bible describes God's people coming together. That's been true historically. From the earliest days of when there was a God's people 
They came together. There was a whole series of feasts and festivals in the Old Testament that God's people would routinely come together to celebrate different aspects of their history and of their life and of what God was planning to do in the story of redemption. And it was about coming together. Corporate worship has always been important to God because he wants his people to come together to worship. In the New Testament, it talks about even when it comes to the issue of giving, it assumes corporate worship. When Paul wrote to the the church at Corinth, he said, when you come together on the first day of the week, and then he gave some instructions about giving, it was assumed they were coming together, right? Because corporate worship is what God wants. Here's how the writer to the Hebrews said it. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the return of Jesus. Listen, I'm no forecaster. I don't know what the day is. I don't know when the date is, but I know I'm closer to it today than I was yesterday. That just makes logical sense, right? And the more I see the day approaching, the more the the writer to the Hebrews says, I ought to be concerned about being together with God's people. It's important because that's the time we encourage each other. We exhort each other. It's when we come together as God's people. When we connect to God in corporate worship, we come together. Do we see the participation of Christians together as something valuable? Do we set it on our calendar and make it an important thing? I read a book one time by a a pastor and his wife, and the way they did this was they just rethought their whole weekly calendar. Their week began on Monday, and they went all week long, and they tried throughout the week to begin, begin preparing for Sunday so that they could have a, a, a plan and a program that had them looking forward to that throughout the week. They even got themselves organized on Saturday. They were, a, they were a family that said, you know what, we're not doing anything on Saturday night that might keep us out a little late so we're not well rested. So we have an excuse not to wake up and get to church. We're going to get our stuff out. I mean, I know people that, they, man, they plan so well they get the kids' clothes out. So at 9.45 or 10 o'clock, the kids aren't saying, I can't find my shoes. Well, where were you when you took them off? I don't know. And who can think of that on the spot, right? Or your husband says that. I don't know. But are, are we going to give enough intentionality to being with God's people that we're going to plan for it, that we're going to work around it? Listen, I I understand sometimes things happen, things come up, this happens, that happens. But listen, you don't realize on Thursday, oh, that's right, we're going to be on vacation on Sunday. And so, oh, I just won't show for whatever, right? It doesn't work that way. Do we see it as a valuable enough thing that we're going to commit to it? That's God's perspective on the church. It's important. It's significant. What's his purpose? This is an interesting statement, and this is from almost the last verse of the Bible, Revelation 22 and verse 17, God's purpose for the church. 
this is part of what's being said about the church. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water, who desires, take the water of life without price. God's desire is for his people to drink deeply from the water of life. What is that? Remember the story of uh, Jesus and the woman at the well in John chapter 4? Where he, he shows up at this, this well in Samaria and his disciples are there with him and they head off into town and out in the middle of the day comes this woman to draw water, which was weird on a variety of accounts. One, it's the middle of the day and it's as hot as it's going to get. Secondly, she's alone. Generally, all the women came together to draw water from this well. And so something was up, and Jesus quickly got to it and ministered to her. I'm going to read for you uh, a section of this, and a couple of the verses are, are going to be on the screen. John chapter 4, I'm going to begin actually back in uh, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So that was question number one. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So, Revelation, at almost the end of God's revelation to us, picks that up and says it's living water. And Jesus says, I can give that to you. And the woman said, sir, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He, he gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And of course, she said, well, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus offers himself to this woman and says, I am the living water. I am what will quench your spiritual thirst. I'm the one who will take care of that. And so Jesus says the real invitation is to find our satisfaction, the quenching of our spiritual thirst in Christ. That's God's desire that all people drink deeply from the water of life. Let the one who is thirsty drink. It's why we always assume visitors. It's why I welcome visitors every Sunday because Number one, we often have them. Number two, I don't know who's coming. Man, bring people to church with you. The Spirit and the Bride, according to Revelation twenty-two seventeen, partner together. The Spirit of God and the Bride, which is us, the body of Christ, they partner together to invite people to do this, to introduce them to Christ. 
Look at this verse from Luke 14, 23. In a parable Jesus is telling about the great marriage feast. The master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. So if you ever get to thinking, man, they just want more and more people to come. They're all about numbers. Listen, God wants his house to be filled. It's not about numbers. It's about people that we can reach for Christ and see their lives transformed by the gospel. That begins by getting them here, right? Bring somebody with you. Okay, I'm going to refer to this card several times. If you open it to the inside, you will see a bunch of things. It's multiply on the outside because this is part of the multiply process. But number one is the yellow one. Connect with me. Take this thing, fill it in, hand it to somebody you want to invite to church. Say, I'd love for you to come. Now, it's easy when you come here because there is only one service time right now. I go to Hampton. It's 347, what is it? Hampton Roads Boulevard in Hampton, 1030. Be there at 1015, and I will meet you, and you can come sit with me, right? Invite a person to do that. That's part of multiply. So Connect connect Grocer, multiply is making disciples to advance the gospel. It starts by seeing people come to faith in Christ. It starts by you bringing your friends with you. Connect. Get them to connect. That's God's perspective on the church. The church is God's designated tool for leaving lost people to Christ. That's what he is using now. Could he use something more effective? Undoubtedly, he could use someone more effective than me to accomplish that. Perhaps more effective than you, but that's what he has decided to do, is to use the church. Jesus said, I'm sending you. It's the Great Commission, right? Go to all the world. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. That's what God wants us to do. So that's why I'm saying, man, bring somebody to We Are Coastal with you. Do you know why I push We Are Coastal so much? Because it is our membership that drives what we do. Something like 80 to 90% of our giving comes from our members, Certainly, the overwhelming majority of those who serve in our ministries are members. Because when you become a member of a church, you realize you have become a part of this organism and you have a responsibility now to put in your part. It's what members do. We want to know, who can we count on? So, bring them to We Are Coastal get him to connect. I want you to think about this too. As you read through the Bible, how often do you see conversation or teaching about individual Christians? Most of it's about the church, right? Most of it's about the body. Sure, of course, the individuals make up the body, but it's it's in the scriptures that we talk about how we function in relationship to each other. In fact, There are something like 59, I I don't know the exact number, but close to 60 commands in Scripture that are attached to this phrase, one another. You can't do anything to one another if you aren't together. That's part of the purpose of this idea of being a member of a church. We We are committing ourselves to be part of 
one another. Now, I'm not going to go through all 60 of them, so you can breathe a little sigh of relief, but I am going to hit up a couple of them that I think are really, really important, and this is God's intention for the church. Previously, we thought about his view. Now we're talking about his intention for the church, and this is, number one, is that we be devoted to one another. Devoted to each other. Romans chapter 12 In verses 9 and 10, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And that's a couple of verses of the Bible that we'll preach. Love each other. How do we love each other when we're alone. I know you can probably send a text, but ask your wife if that would be sufficient. Can I just send you a text a couple times a day to remind you I love you? Well, sure, you can do that. Will she be convinced? Probably not. Sorry, if that's what you've been doing. Don't mean to step on your toes. Where do you find opportunities to show a self-sacrificing kind of love if you're not in community with them? It can certainly happen in corporate worship at church. It also happens when you're in a small group, which is what category? Grow. The green one. Imagine that. You grow. Green is grow. So small group season is coming up. Take that little rascal out, fill out where your small group meets, what time it meets, and say, hey, would you come with me to my small group? We'll work it out if our small groups begin to overflow. Okay, I promise, we'll figure it out. We just finished Christmas celebrating that Jesus set aside himself, his interest, his place so that he could come and show love to us. And this thing of love, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in all of the law? Now you got to know there are like 613 of them all together, and they're summarized into 10, what we call the 10 commandments. But this is what Jesus said when they said, what's most important? Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Everything in you, you're to love God. And then he said, that's the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Isn't that an interesting summary of the law? You love God with everything in you, and you love your neighbor like yourself. You do that, you're fulfilling the law of Christ And then in that 10th verse, back in Romans chapter 12, what is that other thing it said besides love one another? Outdo one another in showing honor. I've had a lot of stories over my ministry career of churches bickering with each other over what kind of music they should be playing or what kind of outreach plan they should be doing, or whether or not they're doing good enough at this, that, or the other thing. Or things as dumb as, I don't like the color of the carpet, and I think we should change it. 
Listen, I've heard of churches splitting over things like that. Can I be honest with you? That's why we don't have a lot of business meetings at Coastal. Business meetings are a breeding ground for obnoxiousness. Is that a word? I used to have them. I used to pastor in churches where you had a quarterly business meeting, and I told them, we're starting at 7, we are leaving at 9, so if you have something to say, make it quick. I just, And they used to say, man, you don't let any grass grow under your feet. And I said, nope. These places are where arguments start. I don't want any parts of it. We just don't have a lot of business meetings. We, we let our leaders lead, and we give our members the freedom to serve. Go serve Jesus. We're not around here to be in meetings. We're the stories of churches that argue over who gets the most honor. I don't mean because I wanted it. I mean, where are the stories of people who argue to say, no, I really want to honor that person. Please, don't look at me. Because that's hard for us to do. I want to encourage you. Find somebody today that's been a blessing to you and let them know. You know, I really appreciate you for whatever it is. So we're to be devoted to one another. Secondly, we're to bear one another's burdens. This is from Galatians chapter 6. Interesting passage of scripture to me. Listen, I'm not alone in this. Am I? We all have blind spots. We all have things in our life that we are not aware. God has blessed me with a wife who's willing to share them with me on occasion. I think for some of you that the same is true. God gives us a spouse to help us see that. But is there anybody else in your life that's there that you have invited into your life to help you walk with God, to walk with you, to help you see blind spots? We need to be connected with other people if we're going to bear burdens. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'm going to keep reading. I didn't have him put it on the screen, but I want to, I want to keep reading a couple more verses. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Verse 2 said, bear one another's burden. Verse 5 says, each one will carry his own load. So what is the distinction? The word load in verse 5 is, one, is a responsibility. That's, I'm supposed to do that. I carry my own load. I have certain things that I have to carry and nobody else can carry it for me. Verse 2 is the load that has become so heavy I'm struggling under it. And that's when my brothers and sisters in Christ come along and they help me shoulder the load. Bear one another's burdens. Where does that happen most? The correct answer would be small groups, right? That's part of the reason we have small groups, so we can care for each other, so you can get a text chain going. And you can tell your small group, man, I got this coming up Thursday. Hey, would you guys pray for me? And then by Friday, a couple of people are writing back saying, hey, how did it go? 
or you can talk about it in your small group. Listen, we, we ask everybody to be part of a small group in the spring and the fall season. Of course, this is the spring one. It's going to start Sunday, February 11th and run till mid-March, just before Easter. Some of our groups run a little longer than that. Some of them run till Memorial Day weekend. Some of them run year-round. Some of them just do the small group season, one in the spring, one in the fall. We ask everybody to get in one spring and fall. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, you may join a group and realize after week three, I don't really like these people. Now, you probably won't be quite that harsh about it, right? We will love each other even though we're like, I just don't seem to fit, right? That's okay. After six or eight weeks, you don't have to go anymore and nobody's going to be like, wait, didn't they like us? They won't know. Everybody's done after six or eight weeks, right? Find another one, though. Don't just leave that one. We'll find you another one. Let us help you. Get the booklet. Go through it. It tells you this is for couples. This is for singles. This is for men. This is for women. Whatever. So, guys, don't show up to one of the ladies' small groups and wonder why you don't fit. You, not only do you not fit, you don't belong there. That's okay. Right? We have places for you. Small groups is where this stuff plays out. We bear one another's burdens. We carry each other's burdens. Saying I'll pray for you is great, but if you follow it up with a, hey, how did it go? I've been praying for you. That's even greater. Bearing one another's burdens. I'll tell you the story I have always told when I'm teaching that section in We Are Coastal. In, in our first small group experience at Coastal, we were in a season where our son had back surgery. Major scoliosis, like they said, if we don't do this surgery, he will end up in a wheelchair kind of surgery. And so we're in, and they did their thing and put pins and raw, you know, this and that in his back. And he got through that. Like 11 months later, they realized one of those screws broke. We need to go back in. So a year later, we went back in for round two. First day lasted eight hours, and they said his blood pressure can't take it anymore, but we're not done because they did more. And so we had a week of him in ICU and us at the Ronald McDonald House and going back and forth to CHKD in Norfolk. One of those days, our small group called us, the leaders of our small group, and said, hey, can we bring pizza down and just hang out in the hospital lobby? Now, listen, I'm pretty sure one or more of our pastors at Coastal visited us while we were there. I'd, I'd be surprised if that didn't happen. But you know what I remember is my small group showed up. You know what I don't remember is anything we talked about. I have no clue, but I know they showed up. That's what small groups do. We bear one another's burdens. It's really important. <laughs> Get in a small group. Invest your life in other people. Come grow with me. Take somebody with you to your small group. And then we serve one another. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. You were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to the flesh, for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We are freed to serve. We're happy for our freedom, and we ought to be happy that we're free. But our temptation is to use it for our own benefit. 
This verse of scripture challenges us to use it as, as an opportunity to serve other believers. I'm free so I can serve them. Can I just throw out a challenge to you? If you leave church frustrated because you didn't get much out of the service, maybe you came in with the wrong purpose in mind. Maybe you should have come prepared to serve rather than be served. Listen, I know I prayed about it this morning. It just was on my heart. Some people come to church on Sunday and they have just had a powerful week with God. They've been walking with God. They come in and they're overflowing and they are ready to worship. And a bunch of people come in and, you know, it's been some good and some bad, and, but man, I'm looking forward to church. And there's a group over here that come in and they are just depleted. And they're weak and they're sad and they're tired and they need to be filled. You know, wherever I am on that list, I need to be looking for that other group, that last group. Who can I encourage? Who can I serve? It's not about what I get out of church. I don't come for what I get out of it. I come for what I can put into it. Now, I know that's easy for me to say because usually when I'm here, I'm preaching. So I'm putting something in. But that's true for all of us. I sing with all my heart down here. I'm sorry if you hear me. <laughs> but I have a bottle of water at my seat because I'm just singing with all of my heart because I want to participate in corporate worship. I want to be part of what God is doing as we sing together. So we're freed to serve, and we are challenged to use our gifts to serve each other. First Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We're here to serve. We connect in corporate worship. We grow in small groups. We serve in ministry and mission. We serve each other as we minister inside the walls of the church, and we serve on mission as we go outside the church. We have occasional events here where you can, we do something that's for our community, but you know, serve. On mission means I'm going outside the walls and I'm serving God. We have a variety of local missions that we participate with. An unsaved friend of mine, Jody and I had breakfast with this couple. Uh, they don't go to church. They're not interested, but they're very good friends of ours. We went and had breakfast yesterday. 20 minutes later, as just about the time we got home, he called me. He said, what's going on at church? They, had, they drove past Yorktown to get home. And I said third Saturday. Oh, that's our food ministry. So I told him about three or four hundred families probably got fed for a week yesterday uh, at, our, at our food mission, our food ministry at Yorktown. Oh, that's really cool. The fact that all those people showed up to serve their community ministered to a friend of mine who was just driving by. We serve, and we have no idea the impact that will have on other people. God has gifted you to serve in the context of a local church. God has gifted you for a particular place of service and ministry. Red, serve with me. You know the best way to get volunteers is not for me to stand up here and try my best, right? I'll, I'll do my best to let you know that we need media volunteers, and we need production volunteers, and we need more people who have musical gifts, and we need people to serve in our children's ministry and first impression. We need people to serve everywhere. We are a smaller campus among the campuses of Coastal. That means 
if you're going to take on the approach, I'll serve once a month, we're not going to have enough volunteers. Sorry to say it. I need you to serve twice a month. I need you to maybe serve once a month in one thing and once a month in something else. Maybe more. Because a servant serves. It's what we do. I'm not coming here for what I get. I'm coming here for what I can give. You may go through a season when, man, things are hard. Come, talk to us. Talk to your ministry leader. I need, a, I need to take a few weeks and just be in church and be ministered to. I get it. It's hard. We're doing our best to try and, and get that stuff resolved so we have enough people. But you are uniquely gifted to serve somewhere. Take a friend with you. Now, of course, if you serve in children's ministry, you can't just take a friend with you. There is a process for the sake of the security of our children. So you can't just randomly say, hey, I brought Joe Schmo with me to come serve in children's ministry today. I realize we can't do that. But encourage them to come and serve with you in children's ministry. Get them an application. It's not that lengthy a process. There are ways you can serve and take somebody with you. All right, I ran over. I kind of figured I might, but... Let me give you these thoughts to take home that are on your bulletin. Love the church. Jesus does. Jesus died for the church. And people are like, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people. That are, yeah, but not for that particular local church. Oh, I think he did. Jesus died for the church. This is just a local expression of the group of people Jesus died for. So yes, Jesus died for those who are part of Hampton, who are followers of his. And if I don't love the church, I don't love something that Jesus loves. And I should check my attitude. I should check my affections. I know it's not always easy. I get it. There are some groups of people that it's just difficult to be in church. But don't miss out on loving something that Jesus loves just because it's awkward for you in a season. Secondly, there is a place for you. Maybe a couple. <laughs> Come to We Are Coastal. We will talk to you about how we do ministry and what's going on and how to find where you fit best and can get best engaged in ministry here. Connect in corporate worship. Grow in ministry or grow in small groups serve in a ministry and a mission man i would love to see a bunch of you get on some some uh, mission trips we've got several planned this summer i would love to see everybody at coastal take at least one mission trip some people take multiple it would be great it's an incredible experience i would love to see everybody serving in some local ministry Get engaged in something that's inside of our church and get engaged in something that is outside the walls. How are you going to serve God? What are you going to do to connect, grow, serve? And multiply means I am helping to prepare other people, to disciple other people, to help them get ready because maybe they're going to go to another place to serve. It's part of my job. Elise Hicks and I joked around together. She came here to work for me and ended up leaving and going to Honduras. I don't, I don't think that had anything to do with me other than I, I kind of said one day, your heart's in Honduras. What are you still doing here? <laughs> and 
she began a process and God has put her in Honduras because part of our ministry is to help other people who will go. It may be that I'm being prepared to go. Maybe it won't be Honduras or some other country. Maybe it'll be another campus of Coastal. When we make the announcement, man, there's another campus going to open. We need some people to volunteer to go and help them get established. We had a bunch of people do that here for us. Maybe it'll be for us to do that with them. Maybe it's just me being discipled and growing and developing so I can be more effective in my service and my ministry right here where God has planted me. A lot of ways that we can multiply the ministry God has given to us. Man, I am excited about what God is going to do in 2024 here at Hampton. We've gotten ourselves settled and established, and we're in the process of growth If you would look even just at our attendance numbers, it's just a steady, slow, steady climb. And I'm super excited, and I hope you are. Did I say that right? I had a preacher one time look at his congregation and said, folks, I'm excited. (laughs) So I want you to know I am really excited about what God is going to do in 2024 in Hampton. And I don't know if any of you are, because you're still sitting there quietly, even though I'm doing everything I can to at least get some kind of rouse out of you. But listen, I am convinced God wants to move here in Hampton. So if that's what he wants to do, if that's his intention, how am I going to be part of making that happen? I'm going to stay anchored in the church because, man, I'm going to work every day and there's no anchors there. I'm going off, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a home situation that things are uncomfortable and uncertain. Maybe I'm married to an unsaved spouse or whatever. Maybe I'm, whatever it is, I'm in situations where there are no anchors. But here, I'm family. I'm anchored. I've got security and stability. It's what we want to do for each other, right? And it is from here that we don't assemble a crowd, we stage an army so we can go reach the community God has placed us in with the gospel of Jesus Christ, go and preach the gospel to every creature and teach them everything that Jesus has taught, right? Man, let's go, right? So take your card, do something with this thing, right? To make sure you write it out, hand that to somebody, take them with you, Let's see what God will do when we offer our five loaves and two fish, right? I don't feel like I have much to offer, but it's not about my ability. It's about my availability. Let's do what God wants us to do. Let's see what he can accomplish with clay pots like me. Amen? All right, listen, our team's going to come back up. We're going to close with a song, and uh, I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to disperse and uh, see what God will do. Thank you, Father, for your grace to us. Thank you for uh, how much you loved us as individuals, but how much you loved the church. I thank you for making us part of the church. Lord, I thank you for Coastal Church, and I thank you for Coastal Hampton. God, you have placed us here You have put us here so that we can serve, so that we can reach this community. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us and inspire us to continue to see more and more what you will do through surrendered lives. So we want to be those kind of people. So bless us as we go from this place. Uh, Lord, would you just encourage us as we leave to serve you with everything we've got, for we ask in Christ's name, amen.